right, everyone. Welcome to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is an On Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church, we get together in a dank basement on a Tuesday. In this case, the Tuesday, an entire week after the original Sunday that we're going to talk about. But we are going to talk about what happened on Sunday, and that's why we call it On Sunday. Before we get to that, though, I'll just tell you I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I am Rob. And I think we should probably call this particular podcast on last Sunday. The Sunday before last. <laughs> on the Sunday before last. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what we need to call it. <laughs> on the Sunday before Because are we talking last. about this Sunday? Or are we talking about the Sunday before last? We're talking about on the Sunday before last. Right. A couple Sundays ago. Yeah. What on Sundays on ago. That Sunday. Right. But why are we why are we doing this? It's because I was gone. And I was gone. Aaron was gone. Aaron, what were you that's up true. to? Uh, yeah, I went on a hunting trip, which as I've joked before, is really just a camping trip that mm. where, by which I wake up super early in the morning and stay out all day walking through the forest, bugling for elk that don't come in close. <laughs> Bu- bugling, huh? Bugling. You should mm. watch it on YouTube. Um, do you have a tool or do you choose your hands? You, there's these little things, they're called a diaphragm and, uh, it's like, I don't even know. Picture the, a bigger pick. That's like, an owl sound, like a, right? Like a guitar pick that's a little bit... Yeah. <laughs> I wish you all could see what Rob is doing. It, um, looks, it looks like bugling. Anyway, it's like we, a, a little bit bigger than a guitar pick or something like that, and you put it in your mouth, and when you apply pressure and breathe out of it, it creates this really high-pitched noise, and you can simulate the sound of a cow elk. Mm female elk could you give us a or, quick rendition no it's <laughs> too difficult um or you can apply a lot of pressure and it creates this really high pitch scream and you do it that through a bugle tube and it creates this like grunt like basically really low but high pitched sc- scream that would be like an elk bull elk in rut um and it's it's pretty rad when you're hmm. out there in the forest and you bugle out, and then you hear multiple elk in this canyon responding back to you. That is kind of interesting. And it's like, you know, dark outside, and everything is quiet and still. It is one of the most majestic things, I, I mean, you'll ever experience being out there if you enjoy that sort of, you know, outdoor and stuff like that. Anyway, we were out, my, just me and my brother out there, archery elk hunting the last week of the season. This was my second year doing that in Oregon. So it was fun. We had a good time, good bonding time, good uh, what I would call the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude, sitting in the forest all by yourself for hours and hours and hours and hours and days and days. So anyway, it was it was cleansing, put it that mm-hmm. way. No service. You couldn't listen to podcasts. No service. Um, yeah, that's it's sort of a we're so stimulated all the yeah, time right. and we we can escape into all kinds of different spaces, TV, or just good things like hanging out with your kids or family or whatever. But you never really have that time with your own thoughts. And honestly, sometimes hanging out with yourself is kind of lame. Like <laughs> it, 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 what I'm saying is hard because you, you have all of these thoughts in the back of your mind that you don't really want to address. Like if I want to get uh, into psychology for a second, like when you just sit in that silence and it's the question, what do you think about when there's nothing to think about? You think about all the things you don't want to think about, Mm. like past hurts 
or past mistakes or whatever and uh or future fears and mm. all that stuff and so i'm i'm confessing here every time i go the last 3 4 years it has been a, a the first 3 4 days are really hard because you're just sitting there and all of a sudden these like this flood of thoughts come in your mind and i i think that's why the spiritual discipline of silence and solitude is a real thing like i've i experience it every year and this year was the same the first three days you're out there just thinking about all of these things that bring stress in your life and by and you pray about it you just pray about these things and you try and take those thoughts captive like i don't want to dwell on these things anymore mm -hmm. um and you pray and you pray and and then you you pr just process it with god and man by like day five day six day seven you start to feel <laughs> like burdens laid off mm. and uh man it's it's a trip dude i i don't know how i could advocate for it more but it's part of the trip that i look forward to like some guys go on hunting trips and they go as a group and they're like oh yeah it's just great guy time you know and i'm like man i get guy time all the time like here you know <laughs> i i need like the silence and solitude time you know because that you never get in the year um so anyway i think it's uh i mean jesus himself did it so i think it's something that i mean he didn't go on hunting trips but you know he had that Maybe. time by himself yeah who knows we're guys not told in the eat. gospels guys gotta eat yeah. <laughs> but anyway i had a great time so that's what i was doing um and uh yeah good good time with my brother too so it was fun nice that's awesome well yeah. cody the not not this past week but the week before that past week how was that week mm. dang I it was the week leading happened. up to your vacation yeah yeah we'll you talk know about what? that later not we this had week. a uh, in the next <laughs> podcast we'll talk about cody's uh yeah, Hawaii well, trip. well, I started that Friday, so. Um, but that week we uh, we did have our youth group. Oh yeah, end of summer barbecue, <coughs> right. which is fun. We always do that where we get the parents uh, to come to something and we hand out the things that are going to be happening over the school year. And yeah, it's a nice chance. Most of our parents are in the church, but we do have students from outside of the church, so it's cool to meet their parents that way. Uh, and we got lots of participation. In that and it was really fun. And you mm. had a bunch of hot dogs left over. What a bunch of hot dogs left over. Stuck in the fridge, which I took to the Camby Center, and they put to good use, which is great. Nice. And all the, the buns and stuff. So, nice. But, yeah, cool barbecue. Yeah. Mm. Um, this could be a good place for a plug because youth group is always in need of wonderful volunteers who want to yes. spend their time. We're in more need than ever. Our Middle church, school. Our church is growing. It's a great thing. Our church is growing. Um in pretty much every demographic, um, but that includes families with teenagers. And so our youth group is growing naturally just because of our church and then uh, growing from, you know, kids inviting other kids mm -hmm. from outside the church, mm -hmm. both and kids who are just neighbors of the church <laughs> yep. just stumble across the street, you know, always fun stuff like that. Um, and uh, um, so, yeah, we could definitely use more and mm -hmm. more help. Mm -hmm. Basically, we could never get enough help. Yeah, if we could have one-on-one -on -one volunteer. Yeah, <laughs> to totally one-to-one -one volunteer to student ratio, we would have a lot of fun still. You know. Yep, totally. So. Yeah, we'll be yeah, tapping we people on shoulders here pretty soon because mm -hmm. it's got to happen. But especially women 
who would be willing to work with middle schoolers mm. four thirty to six. Mm. That is the biggest need right now. Yeah. On Wednesdays. Okay, cool. Wednesdays. Yeah. Yeah. But it always works that. out. Also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen to that. Also that week we had our first like actual small group meeting. Like oh, the yeah. week prior to that we had our kickoff and hung out. And then in that week we had our first group meetings um which went really good i yeah passed the baton of leadership to the group that i was leading last time around to steve and debbie santos and uh so that was cool nice. uh, unfortunately a few people couldn't make it that first night but mm. uh, was it a, a literal baton because aaron no. don't you have a literal baton he you does. could yeah. you could pass if you want yeah but it's mine <laughs> yeah i can't i couldn't take that <laughs> that's not special <laughs> prized <laughs> baton yeah uh, but anyways, yeah, that happened that week too. So it was a kind of a busy week, I guess, with the barbecue for the youth kids and then the small groups, like first actual discussion. Yeah, man, we're having fun and, here. And mm, then, uh, stuff's the, happening. the day after that, <laughs> yeah. you left town, you left, you left the mainland. Yeah. But we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Let's get mm-hmm. into Exodus three. Let's, Let's do, do it. Let's do it, man. So our opening question is the <laughs> title of the, the sermon, what is in a name? Mm. Uh, and so the question is, what is your favorite Shakespearean play? <laughs> uh, and why is and it? He's Romeo asking and that question because I. And why is it Romeo and Juliet? Is that the what is in a the name? They're picking That's on from me. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. What is in a name? Yeah, Juliet. I I read. I basically Romeo. The inception Romeo. of this title, "What's mm-hmm. in a Name," is a line from Romeo and Juliet, but it's such a famous line and such a famous scene that it's kind of become a just a cultural expression like i i mentioned tongue-in-cheek that dave Chappelle, his latest oh, wow. netflix special netflix special is called what's in a name oh really um yeah that's probably where you <laughs> that's awesome no actually uh i i can't remember i had heard it the week before um like i actually think this is funny but it's in a tupac song Oh really? Um, two and uh, yeah. I mean, well, but Tupac loves Shakespeare. He right? does. Machiavelli. Yeah. yeah, he does talk about Shakespeare in a number of his songs. Yeah. yeah. So there, it's it's one of those that's phrasing. So, so you're listening to Tupac and no, hanging I, out with Dave Chappelle, <laughs> exactly. And that's how you get your sermon ideas. <laughs> um, well, most people agree Tupac's not even dead. He's doing the Machiavelli thing. Right? Oh, that's, that's like. True. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just remember hearing the phrase somewhere. And <laughs> You're like, we're like, getting oh, off yeah, topic. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I'm preaching on God revealing his name. Right, so what and, is in but, a name? But in yeah. a name, there's meaning to the name, and that's kind of the point of the of the story, at least in the sense of God revealing who his personal name is, right? That's yeah. the big feature of Exodus 3. Um, and And so I thought of this question, but then I read the, origin of it and found out that it came from Romeo and Juliet and I read about the scene and what was she essentially meaning when she said this and you know because she wants to she's in love with a Montague right Right. but her family like there's this feud right that's the whole point of the thing there's this divide and her point is like what what is in a name like what's what's to why is he a bad person just because he's a Montague you know Um, and so just this like question Mm. of what's in a name anyway i was thinking about that but obviously it's an interesting title because there's a lot to a name in at least in scripture and in this story in her situation there is nothing it's just a person just a name that you give to someone um that you're born into it doesn't define you um but in in the story of exodus there is 
a lot of meaning to these names, but I just thought it was a clever thing. We, we yeah. kind of talked about that in our small group a little bit of how it's sort of unfortunate that our culture now has completely, you know, disconnected names from meaning. Mm. You know what I mean? But like you mentioned in the Bible, a number of people, <coughs> in fact, Moses, you didn't mention this in your sermon, but Moses in the chapter prior to yeah. this is mentioned. He drew as, him out from the waters. Right. Which is like he, he was the one who drew out. <laughs> the the people of God, you know, so there's some parallel to yes. to that reality, but yep. and then you talked about you know Jacob, uh, yeah, and you talked about anyway, so Abra- Abraham and how Abram. he was Abram to Abraham, uh, Jacob to Israel. I mean, uh, even Peter you could have mentioned as well, yeah, which is an incredibly important naming that Jesus does. Well, and even Jacob, they named him Jacob because the name means heel catcher, yeah. right? Like they named them from the beginning, mm-hmm. given these names because of something about what they recognized in them, you know? It's just kind of funny. Like, would you name your kid like Fuzzy Ed? Because you came out <laughs> yeah. with Fuzzy Ed. You're just, you're going to be called Fuzzy. That's your name from now on. Yeah. Some people do. Yeah. Well, I, I <laughs> remember uh, the, the, uh, the famous skier, Peekaboo. No. She just liked playing peekaboo. They let her name herself. That's so funny. Peekaboo Street. She was like a. Oh yeah, a I do remember skier. that. Yeah. Wow. I, I uh, there. I think of it more like nicknames now. Like when I was in Chicago, there was a uh, instructor, and his name was Soup, and uh, he was an African American man. He, um, when he was born, evidently he was like a really big kid, like just a big baby and he was a big young boy and so like his nickname was superman (laughs) like growing but then some kid in like third or fourth grade like shortened that and just called him soup Mm. and i mean he's 50 (laughs) now and they every he's still like on his backpack it says soup on it like s-u-p-e so i i feel like sometimes uh and he i mean he's he wasn't a monster but he's a he's a bigger guy you know yeah so it is funny how names stick with you. But anyway, that was all where that came from. I wouldn't yeah. say I'm this massive Shakespearean fan or anything like that. But Seems like you are. Yeah. Well, you know, as long as I seem like it, that's all that really matters. <laughs> You're very well read. Very not, cultured. Not really. <laughs> and isn't that one more particularly interesting? Because, like, my kids were watching this... Uh, Nomeo and Juliet. It's yeah, a cartoon. Yeah. Like it's a yeah. cartoon Nomeo about and Juliet. It's awesome. About gnomes, <laughs> garden gnomes. Yeah, and they can't. But they're borrowing from the same sort of script. You yeah, know? the red gnomes and the blue gnomes. And the blue gnomes. That's a yeah. great movie, dude. Yeah, it was pretty for funny. A kids movie. Well, that's definitely his most famous play. Oh, for sure. Everyone reads it in like freshman year. What is it? What's the? Uh, is it Hamlet where you hold the skull and talk to it? That one's pretty famous. Yeah, mm. that like is a classic. Yeah, scene. That is, that is yeah. you know, yeah. I, I Whether think to be or not to be, that's that's from that speech in Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Oh, is yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, in regard to the <laughs> message itself, <laughs> you guys, which which <laughs> actually that connects because Off God is yeah. right. <laughs> that's God his is. whole name. He could choose to. He, to yeah. be or not we can choose to be or not to be to live to exist or to to take our own life or you know he's he's reflecting on the death of his father but he's talking about life and the brevity of life in in some other things and you know god of course is self-existence or eternal yeah. you yeah. know which is one of the elements that you bring out i thought it was interesting you know that's kind of the first question maybe we can chat about a little bit but i thought it was interesting that the the way that god chose to reveal himself to moses he was already communicating 
who he is, like in his, this is what you brought out in your sermon about the fact that God revealed himself to Moses in this burning bush Mm -hmm. and the different elements of the way that he presented himself indicated who he is even before he declared what his name was, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so when I, I never really thought about that, like the way that you presented it, I was just Mm -hmm. thought, and you know, that's just a cool way to like meet with a human. It's like, I'm going to go and, and speak with a prophet, you know, future prophet, one who's going to lead my people. How am I going to do this? Cause I can't actually show up in person. He would disintegrate and die immediately. Mm-hmm. So hmm, let me think about the way that I can, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know what went through the mind of God, but this in my thinking is just like, this is a really cool way mm-hmm. to do it. It's like, you know, but obviously God has much more purpose. Yeah. And I thought you brought that out really well. Yeah. Um, some of the things that you highlighted is, you know, the way that he demonstrated who he was to Moses in the burning bush um, was showing that he was, had power over creation, right? It was the first kind mm-hmm. of thing you brought out that he was, controlling this flame which is uncontrollable and should have destroyed things and he Mm -hmm. was in control of it and then he's not dependent upon anything he didn't need the wood to burn like you were talking a bit about this so and then of course he was appearing as light fire Mm -hmm. light which is synonymous with truth throughout the scriptures and you talked a bit about that and then he's eternal he's not actually uh, you know, he doesn't need again, kind of the similar idea that the fire is not going out it's like it's never ending um, and then and it's all consuming, which is a reference to later in Deuteronomy. And then even in Hebrews, I think it's repeated. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but anyways, uh, those are some of the elements. And uh, I guess I was thinking, like, are there any other attributes even beyond these ones that are highlighted in the way that yeah, God? I mean, one that I thought about was he's actually preserving the bush. So if the bush itself is synonymous with like God's people or a, mm. like a picture of that, like the fire is actually covering that. And that's where I think I made the connection later on of like God as a consuming fire uh, has two effects. One, it's a refiner's fire for God's mm. people. It purifies that. Mm. Um, for others, it's a consuming fire in that it literally consumes everything that is unholy, which is them because they are unholy and they are separated from him. But in our sense, it just purifies the things that are unholy in our lives, but makes us pure, more like him. Um, But it protects us too. So like later on, he'll appear as a pillar of fire, leading them out of Egypt and a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Again, light, but just sort of leading them out and giving them direction. Um, So I think in regard to preservation, just like the fire was there preserving the bush, it's not like anything bad was going to be able to impact that. Um, So I think that was another one that I didn't mention. Yeah. Um, Mm. But yeah, I think if you sat there and thought about, I went to, when I was in Chicago, I went to uh, the art exhibit there. That's like one of the best in the country. And it's, it's so funny watching people look at art and they just sit there and observe it and they're looking at whatever they're looking at. I don't know. They, they just sit there and meditate on the artistic expression of these paintings. And for some reason, that image comes to my mind when I think of Moses looking at this active picture. Mm. What is this communicating to me? Yeah. about the God who was literally communicating to me, but what are his actions communicating to me about the kind of person that he is? And I think that in the, it, both in what someone says and then what, in the, what they do communicates 
both of those things together, who they really are. And I think in this moment, the theophany to show God is right. what the, the expression means, is actually showing things about who he is in a way that we can understand it. And at least at that time. Now, the full, fuller revelation will come in the coming of Jesus. Right. Um, and, but even that is showing us the, like the son of God. But Jesus, of course, says, when you've seen me, you've seen the father. He's like, the you've image seen of God. The He's the God. image of God. Yeah. Um, also, I was thinking another attribute. I don't know that you specifically highlighted it, but it's in the text too, because he says like, take off your sandals, but you know, cause it's holy ground. Mm. So fire in the, in throughout the scriptures, you know, in, in relation to the refining fire mm. is a purifying pure. thing yeah. that cr- brings holiness, right? We see. Um, Isaiah, when he says, you know, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and he takes the coal and yeah. cleanses his lips. Mm. The heat it cleanses. And then, of course, you see, like, um, you know, many different texts about the refiner's fire and how fire melts away the impurities of metal and mm. brings forth the pure holiness of of gold after the impurities have burnt away or melt away. So I don't know, that's maybe another thing that God might be communicating. But I guess another another maybe connected to this is could we take this too far? Like could we just read into it all kinds of things that maybe Yeah got I mean, you know Yeah. I mean you don't want to make like an allegory of it, you know, but I think it's still communicating truths about God's character. I mean, yeah, you could always take things too far but at the same time that's the that's the inadequacy of the image too um like god is an eternal fire like god is a consuming fire that's yeah. what moses says mm-hmm. now he's not literally saying god is a consuming fire like god is so much more than that um but it's words that we can use to describe god like in in our language like yeah. god is like a consuming fire you it's know? a metaphor yeah a metaphor versus a simile yeah and so I think that that's where we would take it too far is to sort of like attribute that thing to like God himself. Obviously we're not pantheists, um, but yeah, we don't want to read into it too much, but I think those are some safe things to say, particularly the all consuming because he literally quotes that later on in Deuteronomy, you know, mm. like he has this image of God as a consuming fire, you know, um, purifying his people, uh, judging those things that are unholy, um, and yeah, I, but I think one of the interesting things is that whenever God speaks, he acts. And one of the verses I wanted to put in there, but I, I didn't have time or space was when Jesus was going to heal the blind man on the Sabbath. And they were all like the Pharisees and everybody's all upset. Mm. Oh, he, he says, your sins are forgiven you. And then they're like, who do you think you are that you have the authority to forgive this man's sins? And then Jesus said, so that you may know I have the authority and power to forgive sin, take up your bed and walk. You're thinking and of when he, heals he was the guy. lowered into the building, right? That's uh, well, the he, story of the lame. Uh, I think there were a couple different occasions. He might know. have said it on multiple, but that I'm pretty sure from Luke when they lower him down and that's, the Pharisees are yeah. there. That's I think that's the story you're thinking of. Well, but the point is, is that he wanted to demonstrate what he said. I said... I have the ability to forgive sin. It's like, yeah. whoa, who are you to make such a claim? And then in order to show his words are true, he acts mm. and he heals this man. And so now you have to say, well, if you're able to do these things, then you must be able to, then you, your words must also be true. 
And I think that's what we're seeing happen in this Exodus story is right. God speaks and he acts. And the things that he's saying is confirming the things that he's doing. The things that he's doing is confirming the things that he's saying. And and so I think both of those things need to go like hand in hand. And we would just say the same thing about human beings, right? About integrity. What we say we do, what, what we're doing, we're also saying with our words, this is what we're going to do. And that's just showing that's a, per, a whole person, a person of integrity, someone that you can trust and that you have, that they have the ability to do the things that they're saying. When those two things don't line up, then there's a breakdown of communication and where you're like, dude, I don't know if I can trust you because what you're saying and what you're doing are, are different things, you know, mm-hmm. or you say you can do that, but I've never seen you do that. And, and then you're just all talk, you know, but then you see other people who do really good things and yet they never talk about why they're doing those good things. You're like, oh, I mean, what motivates you? What, like at some point words need to come in too. Mm-hmm. Whenever we see God wanting to reveal himself, he speaks and he acts and he spoke through Christ and he acted in Christ. <laughs> and so anyway, those are, those were, I think, important things to draw out in this story for sure. Um, Cause it was, you know, a time that God did both of those things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for me, I feel like one of the things that like ministered to me the most, though, in this chapter, if I could bring that up, was how Moses, uh, for 40 years, wanted to escape his like issues from the past. And maybe going into like a hunting trip the next day was kind of ironic <laughs> because when you're like in, and I, I said this in, in my sermon, like when you get away, like you think like, I just need some time and space and everything will be okay. Mm. But then you get that time and space and it actually comes up even more. You know, you think about the things that are bothering you um, in your mind and and in your heart even more. And it bugs you. And you could just imagine Moses fleeing from Egypt and just thinking about his own mistakes and thinking about how his, his, his people are still suffering there. And, what is he going to do? He feels powerless and hopeless and all of these things. And then God shows up and triggers all of those things, just has the conversation. And I think that was ministering to me because God essentially wasn't done with Moses. And what an encouraging like word to him um, that he wants to use broken people yeah. and, uh, and flawed people. But also God doesn't want to just brush your issues under the rug. Um, he wants to confront at the heart level the things that are really bothering you so that you can actually be healed of them. And I, I don't know. I was, I was encouraged by that in the, uh, in the story as I, you know, was personally studying it and things like that, but Mm -hmm. how God met him there. Yeah. And it was pretty clear. Moses was content with not ever being called by God again. And we'll see that in in chapter four. But so it is kind of interesting. He tried to escape, but God, in some sense wouldn't allow that. Like he still had a calling that he was going to uh, use Moses for, even if Moses wasn't really excited about that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Content is a funny word because when I think content, I think like more of a positive connotation to it, you know, but it was more like he just settled in his mind. Like he succumbed to this false reality that everything was a failure and nothing was redeemable. Mm. And, and yet God comes in and reveals himself like in that space, you know? And, uh, 
Yeah, I think, and I, and you you bring that up, and we'll talk about that in the next podcast of chapter four, where Moses, you know, argues with God about it, um, not wanting to go back. And I think that's his issue. He's like, dude, I don't, the last thing I want to do is go into Egypt and face those things. But that's what I was encouraged by was um, that, that, again, God is, though we are so willing to just like, throw our hands up and say, you know what, just forget about it, forget the past, whatever, just move on. It's like, no, you don't, yeah, you, like you could try to do that, but it doesn't work. And God wants to actually do even greater things. Like we're so willing to settle with mediocrity and like just bitterness at some level when God actually wants to confront us on those things, you know? Hmm. Um, but, I, and oftentimes it's when you're in silence and solitude, like M- Moses was in, in that moment out there in the wilderness that like all of a sudden it happens, you know, in this sense, it literally happened in uh, other senses. It spiritually happens as you process that stuff, you know? But anyway, those are some things that I think really like ministered to me mm-hmm. in, in the chapter, you know, one of the things that was kind of puzzling to me was, you know, God obviously comes meets with Moses. He's speaking with him and Moses's response to what, you know, God is calling him. In verse 11, he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, right? He's like, why why me? Why are you doing this? Like, how can I do this? How will I know? And then, of course, his response is, I will be with you, you know, uh-huh. which that's the proof. That's the first proof he gives. But then his second, and this shall be a sign for you that I, that I have sent you, you know, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve you're, you know, God on this mountain. God on this mountain. Yeah. And it's, to me, that was kind of puzzling. It's like, tell me, how can I be sure about this? And it's like, well, in the future, you're you're going to be back. At the end, you can come back and check. Yeah. Like (laughs) to me, that was a little bit puzzling. Not very reassuring. I thought you, you, you had mentioned this in the sermon, you know, that, that, yeah, he would confirm after the fact. Yeah. And in the meantime, what he needed was to be with God. Like God would be with him. And you referenced Christ saying that uh-huh. as well in the Great Commission, which I thought was a really good connection. You know, we well, don't... That, that's the that's the greatest promise of all. Yeah, is being with God, God being with us. This is the uh, promise and blessing of Eden, not the garden itself, mm. but that God was there. Yeah, and when you get to the end of the Bible, Revelation, right? God is there with His people. But yeah. even presently now, the promise of the Holy Spirit, he will be with you. And, and even better than me right now, because he'll be, live, be living inside of you. Mm. And just that promise, God with us. Um, this is the promise of the tabernacle. The presence, this is the way Exodus ends, is that the presence of God comes and dwells down. I think one of these promises here in verse 12, but I will be with you and this is the sign, you shall serve God on this mountain, is what instigated Moses to ask God to see his glory. He's seeing a bit of his glory here in in the burning bush. And he's like, show me all of it. Show me more of it. And he's like, dude, I can't do that. You'll die. And that's Um, on this mountain. When he returns after the Exodus. Yeah. Yep. And I, I, so I think the sign, it's like, this shall be the sign for you, like present tense, you know, in one sense, like here's a sign, but it's also future reality you'll like experience it then is like what you're experiencing now you'll experience in full later on Mm. um 
that you sh- you shall serve God. I will do it. You will be here with the people. And then when you get there, you'll be able to say, God brought us here. God said he would do it. And that's the sign. Um, the cool questions, though, the, if uh, I noticed too in the text. Moses asked God two questions, really. Who am I and who are you? Right, <laughs> that's true. Uh, they're, they're both in sort of said in a different tone. Who am I that I should go? Mm. But then he answers that question like, it doesn't really matter. I'll be with you. So he says, okay, well, well, who are you then that I should follow you, that I should trust you, that I like, and who should I tell the people sent me, like give me a name, you know? But uh, it reminded me John Calvin in his institutes had this famous sort of phrase that I often like think or quote to myself but it was uh, true, true and sound wisdom, I think. Uh, all wisdom that is true and sound or something like that. Let me see if I can find this quote here. I'm looking it up. True and sound wisdom consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. Uh, so that is how to live life in the world um, in, in, in a way that honors God that wisdom that's true and sound consists in two parts, knowing who God is and then knowing who we are in light of him. Uh, it's, it's a great sort of like thesis statement in his institutes, but it reminded me of that because he's asking these questions, who am I and who are you? And essentially he's seeking that wisdom to be able to lead God's people out of Egypt. Um, yeah. but yeah, but again, I didn't have time to bring any of that stuff up. <laughs> Too, too there, much, too little time, too much to say. Yeah, you, I mean, you couldn't even get into really detail into the second part of this chapter. When God does say who he is. Yeah, and he details some different things. Um, uh, but but I still think, it, you know, the, the main point resounded in there, um, you know, with, with Moses identifying who he is and, and God obviously allowing us to see who he is both in name and by demonstrating with the burning bush. I, so, uh, yeah, I didn't get into the latter half because I did not have time. I wanted to focus on God revealing his name and just revealing to Moses, uh, that, Hey, I'm still with you. And that sort of that feature of it, but how God does call us. And when he, I think, what did I say? He calls us out of dark places Yeah, and he calls us to do hard things. Mm-hmm. And in verse 19, he says this thing, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So it's this great promise to say, hey, I'm sending you there and I'm going to be with you. And Moses is like, great, this is going to be cool. We're just going to walk in there and like get our people back, you know? And he's like, nah, it ain't going to be that way. Mm-hmm. Like he's not, you you think we're just going to walk in there and crush this team? No way, dude. Mm-hmm. It's going to take everything that I've got and I'm going to throw it at him and I'm going <laughs> to reveal more of myself with a mighty hand. Um, and then he will let you go. The, like victory is certain, but it ain't going to be, you know, a walk in the park. And I think that's a pretty, <laughs> yeah, it, it's an honest thing to say. It's not something that we often want to hear yeah. that the, that the calling God has in our lives isn't going to be a cakewalk. Hmm. Um, we'll see that this Sunday, <laughs> upcoming Sunday, chapter five. That's right. Yeah. Which is funny because like you're saying in chapter three, God told him it's, he's not going to let you go. Right, like you're right. going to have 
it's going to take a while. I'm going to have to stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. Yeah. And yet Moses, we see soon, <laughs> is still like, what's going on? thought it was supposed mm-hmm. to be immediate yep. but anyways yeah that's i still think it's an interesting point and, and another reason why you're going to get more into that in chapter five right. so which is why to, i felt not super inclined to like get into it now because i'm yeah. like oh i'll just get into it again later but which is something that you'll bring up in our next podcast about uh when pharaoh hardened or god hardened pharaoh's heart or something like that mm-hmm. um that gets brought up over and over again in the plague. So yep. you sort of jumped over it in order to wait. Leave it for you. Yeah, leave it for <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but, I don't. I got no problem. But he did deal with the circumcision question. But we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get you there. did. It's going to be a fun one. One other thing we were going to talk about was the name Yahweh, mm. or uh, like you, uh, the big nerdy theological Bible word. Right. Would you use? Right it's there? a tetra. Meaning four, right? Mm-hmm. Tetra, tetra grammaton. So the four, four letters. Letters, right? Um, uh, what Which, is it? What are what's the, the what's the uh, the joke? Is it in Wheel of Fortune? Uh, three consonants and a vowel, or something like that. <laughs> um, there's no vowels, or no no like uh, what are those words called? Letters. I'm like totally tripping vowels. Here. Vowels, vowels, yeah. You vowels. said You're it right. right. Vowels. <laughs> Consonants the, are the ones Consonants, we have, but yes. the vowels are the ones. So there's no. So when we say Yahweh, we're inserting the A and the E there in regard to like yeah. pronunciation. And the reason this could be culturally controversial is the reason we have the tetragrammaton. Is I say that right? Mm-hmm. Is uh, because some of the letters are removed. To yep. stop people from misusing the name mm. Yahweh, right? So, like, well, or, yeah. people who are traditionally Jewish or even Messianic Jewish people, they don't say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't say it because they keep it so holy, and it right. could be potentially offensive that we do say it. Sure. I mean, sometimes in that culture, they'll even use like G hyphen D. They won't even write the word God. You know, like it's mm. like that. Um, you know, they'll be that. Uh, strict with it trying to avoid saying the same god's it name appropriate so yeah, they, because they would not be fans of the phil wickham song that we sang Yahweh, Yahweh. Yahweh. Yeah. yeah we no. love to shout your name yeah, yeah they wouldn't like that they're like we don't love they shouting like that. that but we, we love would. that yeah yeah and and that comes from the their fear with the commandments of not taking the Lord's name in vain. Yes. Sure. And so they didn't want to say his name in a, in a vain way or, right. or a cavalier way even. They wanted to truly set it apart and make it holy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but even in, now we translate it Lord in our Bible yes, all the time. It, right? Yeah, so it's kind of a funny thing because when you talk about God revealing his name, in one sense he reveals it in two ways. He says, I am who I am or right. I am what I am. It's also a little tricky to translate. What he's actually saying is he's saying who, what, when, where. He's saying, I am what I am, or I am who that I am, which is his name. It's something that Jesus says later on. I, Before Abraham was, I yeah, am. Yeah. Um, the I am statements in John, I am the bread of life. I am the light that's coming to the world, right? All these I am statements attribute him to this moment where God revealed himself to Moses as the I am. Mm. Um, But then there's the actual revealing of the name by which God says, this is my name forever uh, and it shall be remembered 
is this name YHWH that we translate as the Lord, not as Yahweh. Um, interestingly, I, I, I heard this a while of, ago, um, but the name Jehovah, right, is actually um, Adonai, it, the, yeah. the word for Lord, like the, the basically the vowels in that name, and then um, Yahweh, and it's sort of put together, and it's like Yehoi, and so that eventually over time became uh, Yehovah, and then it mm-hmm. became Jehovah. Um, so it's kind of an interesting name because it's not really a name that's in the Bible. So when a Jehovah's Witness says, oh, well, it's the proper name for God, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, it's not the proper name for God because it's basically a combination of two words that were put together that created the name Jehovah so that you could pronounce it. So it's not like Jehovah is the name that you call upon in order to be saved. No, it's the unpronounceable name, Y-H-W-H, these mm-hmm. consonants, you know? Uh, anyway, it's just kind I of think, a funny. I think funky the Jehovah thing. comes from transliterating the <clears throat> excuse me the vowels from Elohim, and Yahweh comes from the Adonai, borrowing Adonai vowels. Um, one of those, things. but one of those, yeah, whichever one I said. Essentially, though, said. Yahweh, Jehovah is a different way to say yes the name of God, but it's probably the less appropriate for according to many. You're right. It is Elohim. Scholars. Elohim. You're right. Yeah. You're right. But either way, the point is, yeah, the, it's a consonance to avoid uh, misusing the name of God. Mm-hmm. And then we put in vowel sounds to help us say it, usually borrowed from two words, Elohim or Adonai, both meaning like Lord, right, and God. So, right. El, yeah, Elohim, but, God, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's where we get that name. Um, yeah, because Elohim is like all gods. Yeah. Like right, Pharaoh. Right, right. Was an Elohim, right? right? He like was he was god, a god yeah. on earth, like in yes. their opinion, right? Not in our opinion, but that word Elohim would be used for that. All the gods, sure, sure. It would need the uh, definite article there to say it's the god versus you know a god or something. Um, but you know what else? I didn't have time to put it. Just speaking about names, is God revealing His name? He revealed a greater name, and I did bring this up in my sermon, the name of Jesus by which we call out and are saved. Um, There's only one name given under heaven that we can be saved, which is the name of Jesus, not Jehovah or Yahweh, but the name of Jesus. Um, But at the same time, in the Great Commission, um, God reveals himself, or Jesus reveals God, saying, you will baptize them in the name Mm. of what? The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Singular name. It's the Trinitarian name, Father, Son, and Spirit, which is I, like to some degree, I wish I would have spent at least one minute in my sermon yeah. describing that because it is the difference, as Cody, you were just bringing up right there, that separates us from Judaism today. Mm. It's what separates us from Islam. It's what separates us from so many things is the name of God is Father, Son, and Spirit. It's a Trinitarian distinction. Mm. Je- Jehovah, or uh, The Jews do not believe in, in God the way we know, know him and the way he has revealed himself because he has revealed himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, mm-hmm. Trinitarian. And throughout so, the scriptures. Thro- throughout the scriptures. Old and New Testament. Yeah. yeah. Right. But clearly. Right. Most clearly. Yeah. Most clearly yeah. in the New Testament, in the appearing of the Son and obviously the giving of the Holy Spirit, um, this is the name of God. 
baptizing them in this name, Father, yeah, Son, and Spirit. I am identified with the Trinitarian God. So because they don't believe in Jesus um, as Messiah, right? Or or even their under you know different groups understanding of the Holy Spirit, um, they don't believe in the true and living God because they don't believe in the name as He revealed Himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. Mm. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Mm. Yeah. To to you know think about and uh, process in regard to like our distinction as confessing Christians mm-hmm. is we believe in the Trinity and as God has revealed himself in the, in the great commission. But anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. More on that. Yeah. Um, and so before we get there though, we have a, a, some business to take care of, right? Huh? We do. Yes, we do. What? What's the business? Uh, give me one second. I'll I'll give you the business. Oh, he's hitting the queue <laughs> here. Volunteer of the week. I had my computer muted. Mmm. And so I had to unmute it. That was the. Uh, <laughs> that's why it took me so long to give you the business. Technical gif- difficulty. Uh, volunteer of the week though is Emily Payne. Mm. Emily Payne. Nice. Yes. That's right. Emily Recent Payne. Recent member. Yeah, that was a, a nomination right from Ashley. Uh, cause she has been helping out in CC kids. Um, and we could always use more people doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we wanted to highlight Emily, uh, cause she's been a great volunteer. The kids love her. Um, and she's just one that will roll with the flow mm-hmm. and, and serve the best way that she can. Yeah. Um, whatever I, comes at her. <laughs> Ash was saying that she just really has a good, uh, relationship with, with the kids. They get mm-hmm. along really well. Yeah. My and- girls love her. Um, she really cares for them. You know, it's, it's funny how kids can very easily see when you're disingenuous. Like if you're, if you're (laughs) putting on a face, a front at all, Mm -hmm. they see right through it. But yeah, anyways, Emily does a great job connecting with those kids and, um, it's not easy helping out with the kids. I know you guys who volunteer know that. (laughs) So yeah, thank you, Emily. Um, yeah, mm. volunteer of the week. Amen. Yeah, volunteer of the week. So if you see Emily around, thank her for everything she does. Mm-hmm. Thank for for thank thank her for helping with the kids, um, and congratulate her for being the volunteer mm. of the week. The week mm. before this week, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The volunteer. It's of time the week for Bible trivia right now. Here's your Bible trivia. All right, Moses. He went away, got a wife. Yep, he did. Had a son. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're going to see one of his sons in the next chapter. Chapter five. What is his other son's I know it. name? You know it? It's Elias or Elias? I don't I don't know it. I haven't Gershom read and El- Elias or Elias? It's like Eliezer. Eliezer? Eliezer. Eliezer, not Elias. Eliezer. Eliezer. That's funny. Yeah. Eliezer. I mean, I haven't read ahead. It's in chapter 18. I want to say it's, it? oh, I was close. So I, I, I missed the ER. Mm-hmm. Mm. You're right. It is. And the other one, Gershom. Gershom. Good job, Gershom. Yeah. Gershom's a funny Dang, one. Rob, way to go. Well, yeah. but what do their names mean? Part, right? What's in a name? Eliezer. What is Eliezer? Uh, for he mean? said, "The God of my father was my help and delivered me mm. from the sword." God and is my help. I bet so you that's the name, the meaning of the name. By let me look at the note. Means my God is help. My God is help. What did Gershom Love mean it. then? Gershom. Gershom means sounds like the Hebrew word for sojourner or traveler. Mm, uh, so he's like, dude, I took off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I had this kid. <laughs> he was a uh, houseless. Yeah. He's like, I'm naming my son Runaway. Runaway. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm. Cool. Right on. Well, good to be it. back. <laughs>
that's it for today. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yep. Rob never left. He's the nope. solid the anchor. I was holding it down. Holding it down. That's why I call him Peter. <laughs> Hanging out. <laughs> Petros. Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.